So we're heading now towards Yom Tov Yom Kippur. Yom Tov when Hashem seals all of us for a good and sweet year. And the uh, judgment of Rosh Hashanah comes into full effect in Kippur, then the judgment is sealed. So everyone's thinking about the decisions Hashem is making and asking, how can I make sure that I'm going to be judged favorably, I'm going to judge for good. It's going to be good, it's going to be sweet for me, for my family. And so let's um, explore today one uh, key component in being judged favorably, judging and being judged favorably. Just said today in Mincha, Navina Malkeinu, said, Navina Malkeinu, our father, our king, write us down the book of merit. So we were discussing a few weeks ago, what are we asking? If we belong in the Book of Merit, we should be there without asking. If we don't belong in the Book of Merit, so what are we asking for exactly? You should, you should, change, you should change history and give us merits that we didn't, that we didn't accrue? Well, what does it mean? So one explanation is, we're asking Hashem to, give up, to write us down among those people who see merit in others, who see good in others. We're asking Hashem to give us the power to be of those who see merit in others. Write us down the book of merit, write us down the book of those who see good in us, goodness in others. Gemara says in Shabbos, whoever judges others favorably is judged also favorably. If you judge other people for good, you're also judged for good. The question though is, why? What about judging other person favorably? Why does that cause you to be judged favorably? What's the connection? So there's an amazing teaching of the Baal Shem Tev, a teaching which really has the power to completely change our lives in an amazing way. The teaching goes like this. It says in uh, the Mishnah, first of all it says in the Medrash, it says in the Medrash that when God created metal, all the forests, all the trees in the forest started to shake. They were trembling. Why were they trembling? Because the metal asked them, metal asked the, uh, asked the uh, trees, why are you guys so scared? So the trees told Metal, what do you know why you're scared? You're going to cut us all down. So Metal told the trees, don't worry. If none of you put your wood into my axe, into my metal, then nothing will happen to you. Only if you let the one, a wood go into the, into the metal, then there could be an axe. If you don't let the wood go into the axe, there's no axe. That's what wood told Metal. So in a similar way... Metal told wood. Huh? Metal told wood. Metal told wood, thank you. So uh, in a similar way, Yankel was, going, was driving today. And he had a close call. And he is shortstop. And, uh, and Shmerel comes out of his car and he gives Yankel a couple of uh, choice four-letter words. So Yankel has a choice of how he wants to react. He could let this total stranger, this guy he doesn't know, to suddenly ruin his day, ruin his week, and to put all his negative energy in himself. But the truth is that we have complete control of ourselves. No one could put into ourselves anything negative, any, any anger, any jealousy, any lust. No one could put that into us. Not anything that's put into us is because we allow it to go into us. We, no, no one can force it into. And this is the meaning of the Mishnah, the famous Mishnah Prakyavas. Mishnah says in Prakyavas that everyone has to be aware of three things. Know where you come from, know where you're going, and know before whom you have to give a judgment and accounting. So, the language of the Mishnah, could know before whom you have to give a judgment and accounting, doesn't make sense. First, there's a court case. 
the court case is decided. After the court case is decided, then there's a judgment. Why does Misha say first a judgment and then accounting? You don't have an accounting after there's a judgment. So Baal explains, based upon the story in Tanakh, says that Davin HaMelech married Bathsheba. And although the Gemara says that anyone who says King David made a, made a mistake, is they're, they're making a mistake. But, but nevertheless, on the level of Davin HaMelech, Davin HaMelech was rebuked by Nasna Navi, by the prophet Natan, for marrying Bathsheba. But how do you rebuke David? What do you say to David? He said to David, I want to, I want to ask you a question. If there is a rich man and there's a poor man, and the rich man has lots of cattle and sheep and oxen, and the poor man only has one sheep, and the poor man raises the sheep, and the sheep eats from the, the bread of, of the poor man, and the sheep drinks from the wine of the poor man, and the sheep lies in the bosom of the poor man, and one day the rich man says, has a guest, and he wants to feed his guest, so, you, so he goes over to the poor man, and he kills the poor man, and he takes away his sheep. What should happen to this rich man? So David HaMelech is very upset, King David is very upset, and King David says, this man deserves to die, and his inheritors should have to pay quadruple for taking away that sheep from the poor person. So Nassim Abi told King David, that's you, that's you. This, poor, this, one who, this is actually you. So why did... Nasan Navi had to say this in such a roundabout way. He wanted to give King, give King David a message about his conduct, and he wanted to tell him that he is guilty of doing something similar. Just say it straight out. So a regular person, you can't tell a person straight out about their mistakes. People are always very quick to judge other people, but ourselves are very, very protective. As soon as any criticism starts coming our way, we, we, the, the shutters in our, in our windows of our mind, they close. No one, no one can criticize you. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't let it in. So that's the simple reason that the commentaries explain that Nasser Nabi said this in a roundabout way because how could King David handle such a strong, sharp criticism? But that answer doesn't really satisfy. I mean, for a regular person, that would be an explanation. Like Yankel, he's talking to his wife. His wife said, Yankel, do you remember any mistakes you ever made in your life? So Yankel tells his wife, yeah, I remember a mistake. I was in shul and somebody said something to me and I responded... And I responded in a certain way that I wasn't proud of. And I came home and I told you I made a mistake. Well, you know what? It wasn't a mistake. That was my mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. So, so we're all, uh, we're all, we all know ourselves how, um, how quick we are to, to judge others. And our, regarding ourselves, we're very protective. So that's a simple reason why Ignatius is giving this whole song and dance and dramatic parable so that King David will be able to handle the message. But we're not talking about a regular person. We're talking about David HaMalch. We're talking about Kodesh Eli. We're talking about someone who's holy in a way that we can't even imagine. So the, the reason for this, this parable doesn't, this doesn't seem to be necessary. So Baal Shantav explains the following. Baal Shantav says that the heavenly court has no ability to judge a person. In a, a Nishama Jew is above an angel. And it's impossible for the heavenly court to possibly administer any criticism, any, to level any accusation against a Jew. And therefore, what happens is, says Baal Shem Tov, is that first you are shown in Shemayim, you're shown something that happens to someone else. And then you're asked, what do you feel about what happened to this person? And when, then when you respond about this other person, you're objective because you don't know it's about you, then the heavenly court transfers the decision and puts it on you. First there's a judgment. And once there's a judgment, there's a calculation that you make, because you made this judgment about this other person, and it was a correct judgment, therefore it's transferred to you. 
And that's why Nasan Hanavi tell David about this himself, because in order for, in order for there, there to be a path of teshuva and rectification for David Hamelech, he had to give the, the he had to be the one to give the ruling, because no one can give a ruling about a about another Jew. So this is why it's so important for us to be so careful before we judge another person. The Balshantav actually says amazing thing. Whenever you, something needs to happen to you, you know what Hashem does? Hashem orchestrates you to see something else happen to someone else. And you have, see the exact scenario that you did in someone else. And in this room, not in Ganeidin, not in the heaven, and not through some kind of, kind of a, 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 a DVD where the characters are exchanged, you know what you're doing. But in this world, you're shown another person, and you're shown their behavior, and you nonchalantly judge. We all do this, we all judge. We judge our employers, we judge our employees, we judge our friends in shul, we judge, we judge, we judge our spouse, we judge our children, we judge our parents. We're always judging, we're always thinking. So Shem first of all, you don't always have that information. And even if you have the information, you don't necessarily have the narrative of the information. There was a boy who was having a really hard time in school, and he went to the, this rabbi, and he asked the rabbi, uh, for advice and in the conversation he said to the rabbi you know it's hard for me to really behave because my mom never hugged me never kissed me as a child I never got one hug and one kiss from my mother no. so, so what did the rabbis feel what a cruel cold person how what a what a dashedly horrible excuse for a mother this mo- woman is so they, they, they spoke to the mother the rabbi speaks to the mother and the mother says to the rabbi, listen, I grew up in Russia. My parents put me into a non-Jewish orphanage. And whenever lunchtime, dinner time, breakfast time came, no one served me breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They just threw it at me. And I never got any love myself. So I don't have that language of love myself. How could I give it to someone else? Imagine. This is, this is the one they were judging a second ago. She's such a frozen, terrible person, but they don't know really information. So we can't judge another person, first of all, because we don't really know what's going on. But more importantly, because when we're judging someone else, we're actually having our fingertips. We have in our fingertips what happens to ourselves. It's Imam Mishashem puts in our fingers. Whatever, whatever we make the decision about another person, we're mamish making the decision literally for ourselves. That's what the Torah says, don't judge another person until you're in their shoes. In America, there's an expression, don't judge another person till you walk a mile in their shoes. You know why, right? First of all, you're a mile away. Second of all, you have their shoes. Safe. But the, the language of Prakiyavis is, don't judge another person until you're in their place. Their place doesn't mean literally their place, it means their scenario. And it's actually a, a teaching from Tzadikim, you'll never be in another person's place. You'll never really understand where a person is. Every person has a whole history and, and a whole situation going on and when you decide this person deserves A, B, and C, you are actually, with your hands, with your fingers, you are deciding that, that same future for yourself. And therefore, it's so important to give brachas and say good things about other people. That's how the Baal Shantav explains another mission, the same chapter. The mission says, a person is paid back with their consent and not with their consent. What does that mean? Sometimes something happens, like, what is going on? How does this happen to me? The Baal Shantav says... So it's not with your consent. You didn't want this to happen. You know how this happened. Well, says it happened because of your consent. You said about someone else, they deserve A, B, and C. You said this person is doing this because of a selfish motive. You this person deserves this because of, because of uh, they, they're doing whatever they're doing because they want their own glory. Whatever you said, about, whatever you have judged on the person, 
That's what happens now, now to you. The famous story, I don't know if this is a parable or a true story, the story goes like this. There was a, uh, in America, there was a court case about someone who murdered another person. And there was a lot of evidence that Shmerel actually murdered the other guy. <coughs> Shmerel murdered Yankel. But the body of Yankel wasn't found. So the, uh, the defense, on behalf of Shmerel, says the following closing statement in front of the jury. And he says, it's now 2.45. At 3 p.m., I want you all to, be, to pay attention to the doors because Yankel himself is going to walk through the doors. Everyone's like, wow, unbelievable, wow. And, and, and comes five minutes before 3 p.m., everyone's watching those doors. Yankel's going to come into the doors. And Yankel, at 3 p.m., doesn't come through the doors. But the, 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 uh, jur- the uh, lawyer, he says to the jury, but why'd you look? In order to, to decide that a person is guilty beyond the shadow of a doubt, in the American court system, you have to be, in order to give someone the death penalty, you have, to be, you have to be sure the person did this. If you looked, that means you weren't sure this person deserved this punishment. How could you judge this person as guilty if you looked? Okay. The jury hears his argument. They convene. And five minutes later, they come back. Shmerel is guilty of murder. <coughs> Whoa! The lawyer's like, how did you figure this out so quickly in such a five minutes? He said, they said, very simple. We were looking at Shmerel. Shmerel didn't look. Shmerel didn't look. In a similar way, we are the judges of ourselves. We decide things for ourselves. Hashem sends our own stories to other people in order that we should make the decision for ourselves. Rabbi Shabtai Sabatitsky, he said that when he was growing up in Tel Aviv, he went to a, a school, and there was a child in this, in this class who he acted in a, in a, it was a crazy kind of behavior, crazy, ridiculous kind of behavior. And the, the principal of the school, his name just recently passed away, his name was Amesha Turk. Amesha Turk, a very, very kind, good-hearted person. He told all the students, be kind to this guy, be kind to this boy, help him, invite him to your house, make play dates with him, make play dates with him. This boy, he once picked up a chair, and he threw the chair at the teacher, and the chair broke the window, and the teacher said, amazing the aim that you have. <laughs> you really have good aim. That's a kind of, that's a, le- that's a different level of, of, of teacher. But listen to what happened. Sartitsky said, this guy was always invited to our homes. We never invited to his home. We decided one day we want to see his house. So I went, he said, I'll never forget this. I went with a friend of mine. We went, he lived in the South Tel Aviv and not such a, a nice area. We got to the house. As we approached the house, we hear screaming. Excuse the screaming of the husband. The husband is screaming. And, and as he's screaming, we see his wife run out of the house. Two minutes don't pass before the husband runs out of the house. And the husband running out of the house with a frying pan over his, over his head like this. Two minutes don't pass after the husband runs out of the house. And this boy, our friend, also runs out of the house. Running out of the house and he's crying and he's running after his mother. And he sees us. As soon as he sees us, he's like shocked. He turns around, runs back in the house, and we go run after him into the house, and we see the house is covered with beds. There's no place in the house other than for beds. And this boy, he goes into his blanket and he covers himself with his blanket. I'm like, we're here, we're your friends. I don't want to talk to you. I don't leave me alone. Leave me alone. Go away. Go away. Go away. So they went away. The next day, they got they came early to school to tell Rabbi Turk what what they saw. 
and the Turk was, was shocked. So we, we, we really don't know what's going on inside another person. We have no idea. That's what the Torah is telling us to be, be very careful because you don't really know the reality of what's going on in another person. Even for the facts, you don't know what's behind the facts. And this is very relevant to the judgment of Hashem Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Why is it relevant to the judgment of Hashem? We judge another person favorably. Hashem judges us favorably. Why is that true? And maybe one of you heard the story. I don't, I don't know what the source of this. Someone told me that the source of Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king, we have no king but you, was a story in the Medrash somewhere. There was a drought. And the only way that the drought stopped was everyone said all kinds of prayers. And finally, once you heard this, this Embassy Mason? No. Someone said, our father, Rekib I heard said, our father, our king, oh, we all know king but you. And all of a sudden, the rain came. There's something very powerful about that line. We only have you as our king. It's Nigan we sing out there. Nigan. Oh, we have only one king but you. What is the meaning of that, of that statement? There's a lot of adults running around with all kinds of open wounds inside of them. Open wounds, they've never really recovered from, from pain they had as children. And it's very easy to look at them and, and judge them and say, this is why they're, they're, they're behaving in a terrible way, but we really don't know what's going on. It says in the Gemara that Rabbi Chia once got sick. When he got sick, he was visited by Rabbi Echanan. Rabbi Echanan went over to Rabbi Chia and he said to him, do you enjoy pain? Some people like pain. Why do they like pain? Because, says in the Gemara, that pain is a kapara. I know some Persians have a custom, they call their children kapara. You are my atonement. I went through such grief raising you. You are my kapara. So, pain is a kapara. So he asked, Rabbi Yechon asked him, do you enjoy pain? He says, I don't want pain, and I don't want the reward for pain. I don't want nothing to do with pain. So Rabbi Yechon says, give me your hand. He gives him his hand, and then he brings him back to health. The Gemara says another story. Rabbi Yechon gets sick. Rabbi Yechon do you like pain? Rabbi Yechon says, I don't like pain, and I like the word reward for pain. So, so give me your hand, the same thing, gives him his hand, and he revives Rabbi Yechon. Question is, if Rabbi Yechon has a power to revive, if he has a power, thank you very much, if he has a power to revive Rabbi Yechon, how come you can't revive himself? The simple answer is, is because, in other matters, atzmei. A person can't free themselves. But what's the depth, what's the meaning behind that? Why can't you free yourself? There was a guy who, a very wealthy man, and he got in a lot of uh, fights with his family. He fought with his wife, he had two daughters, fought with his daughters. He was estranged from everyone in his family. He's estranged from his wife, estranged from his children, and he was going to, he was, had a very deep depression. He went to the same rabbi, Rabbi Salatitsky. Rabbi Salatitsky is a brilliant man. He sits down with this guy, he says to him, I'm going to ask you a question. Before you answer the question, promise me you're not going to get angry at me when I ask the question. I says, I won't get angry. You know, promise you're not going to get angry. Okay, I won't get angry. Also, before you answer, you don't have to answer if you don't want to answer. But before you answer, think for a few minutes before you answer the question. You're going to get angry? I'm not going to get angry. Okay, my question is, what do you gain by your depression? What do you mean what I gain by my depression? 
I hired psychologists and psychiatrists and take medication. I don't want depression. What do you mean, what do I gain by the, medic- by the depression? Hey, listen, I'm going to go out of the room. I want you to think over the question. Just think it over. He goes out of the room. The guy goes himself to the private room. He comes back. His eyes are red with tears. And he says, you're right. Rabbi says, spell it out. He says, a lot of the issues that I had with my wife, I'm guilty. It's my fault. I could fix them. And I could fix them easily. But in order to fix them, I have to accept responsibility and say that, 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 that I have to take responsibility. By saying I'm depressed, by saying I'm, I have depression, by saying all these issues, I don't have to do anything. I could say, it's, oh, it's, it's not my fault, it's I have depression. Tzemach Tzedek says, think good and will be good. Many people say the words, think good and will be good, but in their minds, they're actually thinking good. The, the power of the words of Tzedek is, deep down, you have to not just say it's going to be good, you actually have to think for real it's going to be good. Sometimes we are, there was a guy, he Rebbe shared this at a Fabrengen. This guy came to the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe, I want, to, I want the Rebbe to remove the responsibility that he gave me from me. I don't want the responsibility anymore. Why? It's too hard. My health issues, I have health issues. I want to, I want to remove this. I want to take off this responsibility you gave me because it's too hard. The Rebbe spoke about it by Fabrengen. He said, instead of asking for a, to remove the responsibility, he could have asked, he should remove the illness. But sometimes we justify and we want to have... An, some people would rather be sick, they'd rather be unhealthy, they'd rather have a problem because they don't want the responsibility. This guy, he told Rabbi he said, I get it. I know the issues my daughters, I can fix it. And I don't want to fix it, but I'd rather say I have depression in order that I shouldn't have to look in the mirror and say that I could do it. So this is the, the real meaning of and saying to him, do you like pain? What he's saying to him is, do you really want to get better? Of course a person you know, naturally wants to get better, but sometimes we, we have in our subconscious, we'd rather not get better, we'd rather have some kind of excuse, so we shouldn't have to take responsibilities, we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't look in ourselves and, 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 and feel the power of who we are, to feel the power of our neshama. The neshama is a part of Hashem. The name of a Jew is Yisrael. What does Yisrael mean? When Yaakov got the name Yisrael, Yaakov was fighting the angel of Esau, and the, he asked the angel to bless him. And what was the blessing? Your name will no longer be Yaakov, it will be Yisrael. What does Yisrael mean? You rule over angels. A Jew has the ability to change the future, and nothing can control him. We have no king but you. But sometimes instead of, instead of wanting to follow Hashem and follow our, our own inside, we attribute and we... <laughs> We, 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 we succumb to mediocrity because of we rather we rather just like make things easier for ourselves instead of like, embracing the situation where we are. So Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, when he he told Rabbi Mandesa, he told Rabbi Yechman, Rabbi Yechman told Rabbi Mandesa, he said, I don't want the pain. So what did Rabbi, 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 Rabbi Mandesa say to him back? Give me your hand. What does give me your hand mean? He wanted to evoke in him, not just he should say he doesn't want the pain, he should swear to him he doesn't want the pain. He said, in, in, in the Torah, there's something called kias kaf, a promise that's made by, by a handshake. He didn't just want to say with his mouth, I don't want the pain. He wanted to evoke in him a real desire, a real yearning, that he should be able to be the way he's meant to be. He's able to, so he said, give me your hand, promise me that you really want to get better. Where Abichia Baraba was asked by Rabbi Yechnon, Rabbi Yechnon was asked by Yechim and Desa, do you want to be in touch with your real self? Do you want to really embrace that you could do it or not? 
Or do you want to just like ah, let go and, 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 and are you ready? Are you ready? And this is what the Hashem is teaching us with this Mishnah that a Jew is not under the jurisdiction of anybody. A Jew is a part of Hashem. A Jew has the ability to do anything he wants to do. No such thing as something that could stop you. And as we're approaching Yom Kippur, approaching the day when Hashem reveals in us our deepest connection to Hashem, we have to uh, take the hand, so to speak. Take our hand and, and say, Ani nishba. I swear, no, I, w- I want to be there. I want to be there. And not to attribute our, our mistakes to other people, not to attribute our, our, our anger to other people, not to attribute our jealousy to other people. And to, and, and to be totally free from any kind of negativity and any kind of jealousy. And, and to say to ourselves, there's one, one guy, a very wealthy man, he hired a uh, contractor for many years to build on, on, his, on uh, his, his real estate. And when um, this guy got older, this contractor got older, he says, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. It's just too hard. So he says, listen, I just bought one, one piece of land. Do one last project for me and then, and then we're done. Said, okay, one last project. Fine, one last project. All right. He's working on this project. And since it's his last project, he doesn't like put himself into it. The pipes, uh, you know, there could be pipes, and there could be other kind of pipes. There could be electricity, other kind of electricity. He's, he does everything as a, you know, haphazardly mediocre. And the night before his last meeting with his boss, the wife of the boss asked her husband, you know, you got to give this guy a present. The guy worked for you faithfully. He made all of the wealth we have is because this contractor, you got to give him a present. I'll get him a Rolex. Wife says, Rolex, Rolex is 20,000, 40,000, 60,000. You got to give him a real present. What should I do? Give him the last house that he just built. Yeah. So, so, what? That's a good wife. <laughs> yes, he deserves it. He's helped after so many years. Give him that house. So next day, next day, the contractor hands them, his boss the keys. No one likes working for you. And the, and the, the boss hands him back the keys. Says, this is for you. Says, well, the guy's face changes colors. Why are you so upset? So if I knew this was my house, if I knew this was my house, <laughs> I'd done a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're living in our own houses. The things we look at each other in the eyes and say good things about each other and think good about each other, it, this actually creates our own house. The decisions we make about our others, or the, the judgment for other people, that says, if we knew how powerful it is, the things we say about other people, we will only say good. Let's start right now. And Nikaris Benyamin uh, has his birthday tonight. Yeah. It's a Lachaim, which has a 20th birthday. Oh. I have to about the Inya Ben Esrim. Lachaim, Lachaim, Shasatoka on Yonim. A Freyloki Ben Shior for each of us and all of us. Mashiach Tzakain will take me a mamash. Lachaim. Amen.